Welcome back to Proactive. I'm delighted to be joined now by Bilal Ismail, who is the head of sales at Spark Change. Bilal, it's great talking to you. The first time that you and I have ever spoken. So perhaps you'd like to start by giving us a little bit of an overview of Spark Change and your work there. Sure. Thanks, Tom. Um, so, yeah, as you said, my name is Bilal Ismail. I'm the head of sales at Spark Change. Um, we are a group of carbon market experts, and we really serve to link carbon markets and financial markets. We've done that through launching a very innovative exchange-traded product that's backed by physical carbon allowances in partnership with Han ETF. But we also have an array of data tools that we offer to investors to help them understand how to hold carbon in a portfolio context. And this is all about supporting the world and getting to net zero, isn't it? Exactly. So we specialize in regulated carbon markets. It's probably quite important at this point to differentiate between regulated versus voluntary. Um, voluntary carbon markets, um, pretty well understood by most market participants. You know, you fly to Paris, you can tick a box, plant a few trees and mitigate the emissions for your flight. But we rather specialize in the regulated carbon markets, which are the cap and trade schemes that are set up by national or supranational governments to force industry to decarbonize. Specifically, we focus on the EU market, and this is the, the EU's primary tool to force decarbonization of heavy industry. And for every ton of CO2 that a company uh, emits into the atmosphere, they have to surrender one carbon allowance that they either have to buy or um, get awarded in terms of subsidies. So Bilal, how much interest is there in uh, products like yours? I'd say there's a lot of interest and it's coming from sort of three main angles. So carbon as an asset class is quite exciting. Um, we're talking about annualized returns of north of 30% over the last five years. Um, we've got very low correlations to other asset classes. So from a diversification standpoint, there's also some benefits. Um, but then in the context of ESG investing or looking to mitigate the financed emissions of a portfolio, carbon can also play a role. So by holding a physical carbon allowance, you're actually stopping industrial emitters from being able to get hold of that allowance. And if they don't have the allowance, they can't emit CO2. So you can lead to a direct, tangible um, impact on, on the environment that's positive. And that can be used to, to align a portfolio to an environmental goal. I'd say the third way in which we interact with investors, which is probably gaining the most traction at the moment, is around the topic of carbon price risk. So if we think about carbon as a cost to companies, um, as carbon prices rise and the regulation becomes more broad, that cost risk is greater. And uh, at present, companies, uh, sorry, investors are really looking to better understand the climate change risks embedded in their portfolios and carbon price risk is one of the most, most significant. So Bilal, what is it that you enjoy most about what you're doing at the moment? Great question. Um, I think that ESG investing um, on the face of it is a very noble ambition, You know, trying to make sure that uh, investors through their activities help drive us towards a low carbon future, perfect. The challenge is how we actually implement that. And I'd say that there are two key challenges. The first is, is there a trade-off between the performance of investment funds and their green credentials? And when we're thinking about institutional investors who are looking to offer products to their end clients that are both going to safeguard their assets, but also lead to the greater good, that creates a conflict that needs to be managed. Um, that's where I think regulated carbon markets can be in some ways much better aligned than, for example, voluntary carbon markets. 
Um, but where it's also really interesting is, is when we think about climate change as an opportunity. So many times we're, we focus on climate change and investment portfolios from a negative perspective. Which companies do I have to divest from? Which companies can't I invest in? Whereas there are actually some companies that have really positioned themselves very well for a low carbon future and teasing out those opportunities so that ESG investing can become more of a positive uh, standing point rather than a negative one is really quite exciting to see. Understood. And just one final question from me, Bilal. Is there anything that you'd like to clarify to people today, people watching this, uh, perhaps something that you think people misunderstand about the sector that you're in? So I think we've already touched on that point of regulated versus voluntary. Um, you know, the regulated market has some key differences to the voluntary carbon market that really can't be understated. And the most important one of those is size. The voluntary carbon market has done a huge great amount of work on the marketing front and most people will understand you know that they can buy an allowance to offset some personal activity they undertake but if we think about the total market value for carbon in 2021 97 percent of that was in regulated carbon markets three percent was in voluntary carbon markets so in terms of market size, the regulated carbon market dwarfs the voluntary carbon market and so if we're thinking about investment investors decarbonizing at scale, the regulated carbon market is currently the only route to do that. Thanks very much, Bilal. And hopefully we'll have you back before long for another update. But until then, thank you very much for joining me today on Proactive. Thank you very much.